0: How many of you remember this one? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Yeah. How many of you cannot do that song without doing the motions? It's hard, isn't it? I get it because that's how we learn it. Joshua learns Vacation Bible School songs, and then, and then every song has motions to it. you know. And, and, uh, and there's some of them, like I said, it's a full-body workout. And so, uh, so you grab one of our recent Vacation Bible School DVDs, and uh, man, you get your workout. Well, this morning, um, we're going to look at Luke chapter 19. And Luke chapter 19 is about that wee little man, Zacchaeus, and his encounter with Jesus. And so I want us to look at that and see what we can pull away from that encounter and see what we can apply to our own lives. Now, I will tell you this I have one point this morning. One point. All I want you to do is remember one thing. Can y'all do that for me? Some of y'all, that's going to be hard. I understand. Uh, but I've, we're going to talk about how I've given you some resources to help you remember that. So let's do that. Which, As we begin, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Now Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, and he... He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the Lord, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now this story is only recorded in the Gospel of Luke. It's not in the other three Gospels. And and I, I think there's some... There's some importance to that because if you understand who Luke is writing to, this is very, very important. See, Luke is writing to Gentiles. That's his audience. And what he wants them to know is that, listen, anybody, even a sinner, can have a relationship with Jesus. As we look at this, this story, as we look at this encounter, I want to give our context. Our, 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 message this morning, some context. And there are three people I want us to look at, Jesus, Zacchaeus, and the crowd. As we look at Jesus, we see in chapter 18 that he was on his way to Jerusalem via Jericho. Now, he had been up north in the Sea of Galilee. He was coming down, and uh, I'm doing it. If you look at your map, hey, y'all ever look at the maps in the back of your Bible? Man, use them. It gives you some context. And so feel free to look at it now. I don't care. Shoot you out. Go for it. And uh, so he's up here at the Sea of Galilee. He's coming down. Here's Jericho, here's Jerusalem. And he decides rather than to go around Jericho to go through Jericho into Jerusalem. And in chapter 18, we see is that as he, as he approaches Jerusalem, as he as he comes out, he's not even in the city yet, and he encounters a blind man, a beggar. And through that encounter, that man receives sight. Then he enters into Jericho, and as we read in this passage, the very first, his plans were to do what? To pass on through. It was just a spot on the road. It was just, you know, if you're going from Forest City or from Wynn to Jonesboro, you know, just going through Cherry Valley. If y'all live in Cherry Valley, I don't mean that in any demeaning way. It's just, we, there's not even a stop sign there. We just go right through it. But as he's going through Jericho, he attracts a crowd, doesn't he? And the other thing we find is that he speaks directly to Zacchaeus. Now you have Zacchaeus, and he, we find out, is a chief tax collector. Not just a tax collector like the apostle Matthew was. He is a chief tax collector. He's, in the organizational chart, he's up here. He's not just down here. And so he's in charge. He's a man of a position, a man of status, a man of influence, a man of power. But he was also wealthy. And he gained that wealth off the backs of his fellow Jews. His own people didn't like him. He didn't have many friends probably in the Jewish community. Because he earned his money by taxing them and paying the Roman government what they required. And whatever was over and above that, he got to keep. Now, if the tax collectors made their money off of doing that, and then you have the chief tax collectors making even more money, how much money were they taxing their own people? So he was probably not well liked in his own community as we find out. We also find out he's short in stature, and I don't remember anywhere in the New Testament that defines somebody's height. But he was so short he couldn't see over the crowds. Now listen, I don't know what that means unless I'm home with my family, because I'm the shortest person in my family. My mom's 5'11", I'm 5'10 half, 5'11". My little brother's 6'7". Yeah, so I'm a midget in my family. You ought to see Cindy at our family reunions. (laughs) She comes to everybody's waists or something. But the other thing we find out about Zacchaeus is he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to know who was this Jesus. But then the third group of people we see is the crowd. And in chapter 18, it says that after Jesus gave this blind man sight, they cheered for him they praise the lord but what did we find out they do in chapter 19 when he tells Zacchaeus come on down buddy i'm going to go hang out at your house it says they muttered they grumbled they talked to one another they spread rumors about him they, they were going did you see it did you see he's going to the house of a sinner see Zacchaeus <laughs> was one of those people he was one of those people. Kids, you stay away from those people. You don't want to grow up to be like those people. You know, that was the very person Jesus had come to encounter, have this encounter with. So what are some lessons or principles we can learn from this situation between Jesus and Zacchaeus? Well, here's what I will tell you right up front. Jesus did not respond to the crowd. Did you notice that? Whether they cheered him or criticized him, he did not care what the crowd thought. He was there for one reason, and he wasn't going to let anyone stop him from accomplishing his mission. What about you? God has called each and every one of us to a purpose. Do you let others influence you on whether you're going to accomplish that or not? As one of God's children, as one of his his ambassadors in, in this community, do you allow the opinions of others, whether they cheer or criticize you, to affect you and you living in obedience to Jesus Christ? As Jesus entered Jericho, he was looking for one person to invest in. And that person happened to be a sinner sitting in a tree. It wasn't an accident that Jesus found Zacchaeus. matter of fact, it was his mission. That's exactly why he was there. I think that oftentimes we read this passage, and it's a great story. It's a great encounter, and man, we can learn a lot of it. But we often stop at verse 9 like we read earlier, don't we? But that's not the, the complete conversation. Matter of fact, Jesus has one more verse he says. Uh, he doesn't stop at verse 9. He goes and explains why he did what he did. In verse 10, he says, For the Son of Man came to do what? Seek and save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. That was his heartbeat, that was his passion. That's why he woke up every morning. That's why he, he was here three years in ministry and then gave his life on the cross. It was his life mission. Let me ask you this question. If the loss mattered to Jesus then, should they matter to you and me now? Would y'all agree that yes, they ought to matter to us? They ought to matter not only to Winn Baptist Church, but they ought to matter to us personally. We are the church. As you're sitting across a desk from a client, you're the church. As you're having lunch with family, you're the church. As you're hanging out with friends at the ball field, you're the church. As you serve in ministry here at Wind Baptist Church, you are the church. And I honestly believe lost people ought to matter to you and to me, not just corporately, but personally. Even if they're one of those people. Who's the those people? Who's the them in your life? Are they people who don't believe like you do? Are they people who don't share the same political views you do? Are they people whose lives, choices are a little different than yours? Are they people whose ethnic background and history or color of their skin is different than yours? Are they people that come in here and maybe don't dress like you or smell like you? Are they those people? Because according to this scripture, that's exactly who we came to seek and save. Who is those people in your life? Luke 15, a couple passages back from this chapter, Jesus tells three parables. One of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. Do you realize that every time something is lost is found, there's a party that goes on? Y'all ever read that at the end of that? They celebrate. As a matter of fact, in the, lost story, the parable of the lost coin and, and the lost sheep, it says that the angels in heaven, there's a rejoicing in heaven that goes on before God. Man, there's a party. When the prodigal son comes back, what does the father do? Does he go, okay, now don't do that again? Now, I love you, son, but you're going to have to work off what you, what you owe me. As you do that, what does the Bible say they do? They throw a party. Man, kill the fatted calf. Let's bring off the friends. My son who was lost is now home. He is found. We're let's celebrate. See, I, I, sometimes I think we forget that reaching the lost We look at it more as a duty than as an opportunity to celebrate and to throw a party. Man, if there's rejoicing in heaven, why aren't we rejoicing here? Shoot, I think classes ought to throw parties for lost people who come to know Jesus in there. Man, have a party? It's a birthday party. Joshua and I went yesterday to a birthday party. Had a great time. What about you? Do you get excited when lost people come to know Jesus? Now let me ask you this question. Do you get excited when other people lead lost people to Jesus? I think we do. And we like it that way because that means we don't have to. Imagine if you got to lead somebody to Jesus, the party you could throw. Here's another thing we can learn from this passage. Jesus is willing to change his plans for a lost person. See, he was planning on just passing through. He was headed to Jerusalem. He had a a plan. But you know what? God intercepted his plans and said, you know what? There's a man here that needs salvation. And he didn't just lead him to the Lord and move on, did he? he What did he tell Zacchaeus? He says, come down. Why? Because I'm going to go stay at your house today. I must come stay at your house today. I'm going to come hang out with you. We're going to have a good time. See, oftentimes we lead people to the Lord and then we just walk away. And they all of a sudden we leave them on their own. And that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, come on, man, I'm going I'm to invest in you. I'm going to come hang out with you. I'm going to party with you. We're going we're to live life together for a little bit. But he was willing to change his plans for Zacchaeus. Now, here's another thing we can learn. When Zacchaeus encountered a living Jesus, his life changed forever. His life changed forever. What mattered to him before didn't matter so much now, did it? In fact, he says, the poor... Became mattered more to him than money. He says, I'll give half of what I have to the poor. Those people, to Zacchaeus, started becoming a priority. See, he was rich. He didn't hang out with poor people. He hung out with the rich people. He rubbed shoulders with people of influence and power. But he said, you know what? Those people now are a priority in my life. You know what else was a priority? The people he cheated. Man, don't we wish the IRS would do that. Man, listen, we got more from you than we should have last year. Here's four times more. Now, that ain't going to happen, is it? Well, I don't know. You know. What's impossible with man is possible with Jesus. Um, let me ask you this. Has your life changed because you have encountered Jesus? Is it different today than it was before you met him? In John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they have, may have life and have it to the full. Have complete and full life right now all the way into heaven. I want life. I want others to have life. So who's this, let me ask you a question. Who's your Zacchaeus? Who's your Zacchaeus? Let me ask you another question. Look at this little card here. Who's your one? Who's your one? Pull out this little card. It's in your worship folder if you have it. If not, we have some more at the the Welcome Center. But here's what I want you to do. I put this in there for a reason. This is your one point. Who's your one? Who's the one person you know needs Jesus today? That if something were to happen to them, they would die and be separated from God for now and forevermore. Never ever have an opportunity to have a relationship with Him. Here's what I want you to do: I want you to write their name down, or write sis, or Aunt B, or whatever, whatever some way. The truck driver, or whatever, the, the gas attendant, the waitress, somebody, some way that you will know who that is. And if you don't have anybody that you know that's lost, whether it's a family member or a friend or somebody you do business with, here's what I'm asking you: pray and ask God to show you. Man, God showed me somebody this last couple weeks, and I went, oh, I need to write their name down. And I've got their name written down, and and I'm going to be praying for them. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to commit to three things for this person. Just one. I don't want you to get five or six of these and pray for five or six I want you to pray for one person. And here's what I want you to do. There's three things I want you to do. I want you to pray for their salvation over the next 30 days. I want you to pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And I want you to invite them to one of our Easter services on Sunday, April 21st. Now, in praying for their salvation, here's what I want you to do. See this right here? There are verses for every day that you can read and pray for that person. You can even go to uh, whosyourone.com and there's a prayer guide you can download and you can use to guide you during those. They have blanks where you can write the person's name and make it real personal. So you can do that. If you need one of those and you don't have access to the internet, uh, let our office know and we'll see if we can get you one. But you can write their name. Here's one. I want you to write their name. I want you to tear that off. I want you to keep this with you at all times so you can be praying with them continually. This one I want you to put where you have your quiet time, your prayer time. Whether it's in your car, whether it's in your Bible, or in your journal, wherever. And every day, write their name right here. And then every day, you begin commit to pray for their salvation. Lord, you know they need Jesus. You know if something were to happen today, Lord, you know that they would die and go to hell and they would spend eternity apart from you. I don't want to see that happen. But you begin praying for their salvation. Here's, this, here's the uh, second thing. I want, you to, I want you to pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. I want you to pray for an opportunity to share the gospel. Now, you can use whatever method works for you. I was thinking about evangelism training. Y'all ever read in Acts where the Jerusalem church did evangelism training before they were dispersed because of persecution? Did y'all ever see that? You know, um, James had a class over here. Hey, before y'all leave home and leave all your goods behind. Let me teach you how to share Jesus. They didn't. It says, as they went, they shared the gospel. You know why? Because they had encountered a living Jesus and their life was different and they couldn't help but tell people as they went. But let me tell you, there are several ways you can share uh, the gospel. One is uh, you can do uh, your personal testimony. Share the difference that Jesus makes in your life. Another way is to share what we call a three-minute testimony. One minute on what your life was like before you met Jesus, a minute on how you met Jesus, and a minute on the difference your life He's made in your life since you met Jesus. Quick and easy. Another way is to... uh, How many of you were trained at some point in time in the Roman roads? I know I was years ago. Yeah, y'all know the Roman roads? You can do it. Some of you have that memorized. Or one verse evangelism, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You can draw that on a napkin. And I've trained some of you on how to use that. We have these in the office. They're from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. It's called Steps to Peace with God. You can grab some of these out of our office and take with you. We have some of you that do use these. But we use this outline in here in our Discover WBC class because our desire is that People become a part of God's family before they become a part of the Wynn Baptist family. But this will walk you through it. and You can practice going through it. You know what's funny? I had a friend in the last church who was going through an evangelism training, and he called his daughter and said, hey, I'm, I need to practice this. Can I come over and practice this? He shared the gospel with her just practicing. She says, Dad, I've never made that commitment. I've never prayed that prayer. I'd like to do that today. Practice. Share it with your friends. Say, "Hey, can I just practice something on you? I got, I'm working on something. Um, we got this crazy pastor that thinks we ought to do this, and he's challenged us. So, but we've got these in the office. And listen, if we run out, we can get more. We got, we can we can get more of these, so you can use this. It's a great tool to keep with you. Another another tool, a resource that you can use is called the three circles. Three circles is." It was developed by a pastor named Jimmy Scoggins, and, and North American Mission Board has kind of adopted it in training their, uh, their uh, church planners in this. Now, I know you see a bunch of stuff up there. There's actually an app that you can download for your phone and iPad or your tablet, or it's through the Apple iTunes App Store or the Google Play App Store, and it's called Life Conversations App. And it's the three circles. And you download it. There's a video that actually will show somebody how to do this. And we'll walk them through it. And you can actually use that video to say, watch this and tell me what you think. Or you can use the app and you actually lead them through it. And so you can download it. I have it on my phone. I have it on my iPad so that if I meet somebody, I can just say, hey, have, let me see. Have you ever seen this before? I can share that with them. And so it's free. You can download it. You can use that. Listen, there are a ton of resources on the Internet. Many of you know how to share Jesus. It's just got to be a priority. See, it became a priority that day because it was Jesus' mission. It's our mission as well, isn't it? And Then here's what I'd like for you to do. The third commitment to make is invite them to one of our Easter services. On April 21st, Sunday, April 21st, we're going to have two worship services, 9 and 1030. Originally, we had hoped that we could just have one, but when we look at the numbers, we're like, there's no way we're going to hold just one service. And so we're going to do two that day, 9 and 1030, like we've done in the past. Invite them to come to one of those services and be your guest. So I'll sit with you. I'll pick you up. You can ride with me, whatever. We're not going to have Bible study, so you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, taking them to the Bible study and then trying to get them here or meet them here just for worship, just say, I'll meet you out front or I'll meet you in the back or whatever, and uh, I want you to come be my guest. We've created two, uh, two ways you can invite them. We have this big one for those of us who can't see very well. Um, we have this big invite, that, and, and I have people who like this size, and uh, you can invite your neighbors or friends or that person, especially that person who's your one that you can invite them to one of our services. It has uh, our times here. It even has information here and a little map on the back. And, and so you can do that. We also have these size. Now, I like this size. It's a little business card because I can put it in my pocket. When I go to lunch, or our server or somebody I encounter at lunch or, or Walmart or whatever, I can pull that out and say, I don't know what you're doing for Easter, but I'd love for you to be our guest at Winn Baptist Church. We have a service at 9 and 1030. Uh, you come to either one. And if you're coming, you could call the church and let me know, and I'll be glad to meet you. You can sit with us. And uh, so it uh, even has our website down on the bottom, so they can look at our website and check us out before they get here. So I want you to commit to three things, praying for their salvation, praying for an opportunity to share the gospel and introduce them to Jesus, and number three, to invite them to one of our Easter services. Because even if you don't get a chance to invite them to one of our Easter services, they're going to hear the gospel here. Don Donovan's going to be preaching that day. I've already talked to Don. You know what Don's going to talk about? The gospel. He's going to share the greatest event in history of mankind. And they're going to get a chance to accept Jesus Christ that day as their Lord and Savior. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Now, let me ask you this question. Why should we pray for the lost, looking for to share the gospel with them, inviting them to one of our Easter services? Warren Gastaway, who's our interim student pastor, shared this a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night, and then he and I got to talking, and he sent these statistics to me to remind us. Roughly 17,000 people in, in, in Cross County, about 5,500 of them have not claimed any religion of any kind. 5,500, that's about 32% of the people in Cross County aren't connected anywhere. And while we grew up with a bunch of, and all of our friends may go to church, there's a bunch of people out there who have not. There's a bunch of people out there who are Zacchaeus, who are some of those people that nobody wants in their church. There's a bunch of people who are out there who are seeking Jesus. They want to know who he is. And they're waiting for somebody to share with them who he is. And at Easter is one of those times when a lot of people are looking to go to church. And they'll come if you invite them. He shared this statistic, and this one kind of hurt. He said, Mike, only 2 to 5% of all believers have ever personally led someone to faith in Jesus Christ. 2 to 5%. So if we have 300 people in here, we're talking, what, 60 people? 6 people? It's 2%. Six people maybe have led somebody to Jesus in this room. Or maybe upwards of five. Fifteen people. Something like that. Who's your one? I believe this is important. I believe it's important not just to Win Baptist Church, but to the kingdom of God and to the community of Wyndham Baptist Church. I believe it's important because churches have forgot about evangelism. Did you know a couple of years ago I went to an associational meeting. Did As you know 16 churches in our association did not baptize one person that year? Why are we here then? Let's just shut the doors. It's the reason why people why churches are closing because evangelism has become a you-go-tell, not, man, I need to go-tell. I want you to watch this video. It's from Johnny Hunt. Johnny Hunt is a pastor's pastor. He's a pastor of a church in Georgia. He's a, he's a pastor's pastor. He has a heart for the lost. He has a heart for uh, reaching people no matter who they are or where they are. I want you to watch this video from Dr. Johnny Hunt. billion. Now that's a big number. That's how many people there are on earth. In the U.S. alone, estimates say that out of 328 million, there are nearly 246 million lost souls, men, women, boys, and girls that don't know Jesus. Those numbers seem big, but what if we were to focus on the number one? The Bible tells us that heaven rejoices every time one person comes to know Jesus. What if we were to focus on the daily conversations, those everyday meaningful interactions for Christ that can truly make an eternal difference in someone's life? We can reach our nation with the gospel. We can reach the millions. We can reach our friends and family and neighbors by starting with one. Who's your one? I agree with Pastor Johnny. Who's your one? We can make a difference in our community just one person at a time. As we close, I want to encourage you that in our time of invitation, she would bring this card and bring it up here and say, Lord, here's my one. I'm going to begin praying for their salvation right now. And you begin praying for them. Bring them to the altar of Jesus and say, I'm going to pray for this person one person i don't want you to get five of these and start praying for five i want you to focus on one person and say lord i'm going to pray for their salvation i'm going to commit to praying uh, for that i will share the gospel with them and invite them to one of our easter services now listen some of you um, maybe haven't shared jesus in a long time bill fay in his book how to share jesus without fear uh says something i believe we are commanded to make disciples. And we are commanded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to be a witness for him. And if we are not doing that, it's called the sin of silence. Because both of those are commands. And if we're not doing it, we're choosing not to be obedient to Jesus. And so today, maybe you need to come forward and say, Lord, I, man, I confess, I'm, I'm that guy, or I'm that girl. I haven't, I haven't been faithful in, in, in sharing the gospel With lost people. And so I confess that to you to now. And then I lift up. Whoever. My one. Maybe you're here today. And you are Zacchaeus. You've never met Jesus. You've never encountered. This incredible loving living Savior. Who came to die on the cross. To pay the penalty of your sins. Who was buried. And on the third day rose again. And now sits at the right hand of the Father. Ruling alongside him. And today you can encounter him. He could come and live in your life, change your life, help change your circumstances, change your attitude, change your mood, and give you life to the fullest. In a minute we get through praying, we stand. If that's you, if you're a Zacchaeus, I'm going to be right here. And I want to come, I want you to come and say, Mike. I'm Zacchaeus, and I need Jesus. And I want to introduce you to my Jesus, who is willing to come and speak directly to you today.